Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter. Uh, one, or excuse me, three, First Peter chapter three. We're only going to look at one verse tonight, verse seven, in a Bible study that I've entitled an exhortation for husbands. An exhortation for husbands. In our last study together, we had an encouragement for wives. And tonight we have an exhortation for husbands. Notice verse seven. Likewise, and this is under the banner of mutual submission. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. In 1 Peter, he's in the letter known as 1 Peter, Pastor Peter is writing to a group of believers under intense pain, problems, persecutions. They are losing everything for their faith in Jesus. They're being blamed for the fires in Rome. They are being murdered. Uh, Their families are being destroyed. And Pastor Peter has a burden to give them instruction on how to live in such difficult times. By the time we come to chapter 3, really the end of chapter 2, this topic of submission comes up because when when difficult times come, one of the first things to go is submission. This idea of, I I don't want to submit to things. I'm tired, and I'm certain that many of you at this stage in life can say that I'm tired of submitting to things I don't like, and I don't think are fair, and I don't think are real. I'm tired of it. I don't want to submit. I'm tired. I want to take things into my own hands. That happens in relationship to your employer. You just don't want to, you don't like your boss. You don't like your job. And I just don't want to submit anymore. And you almost, you, you almost get to the place where you self-destruct because of your attitude of a lack of submission. You don't, you don't want to do it when it comes to the government and the various things that the government chooses to do. You say, I don't want to do it anymore. And you just, you kind of, you shake your fist and you go, I'm not going to do it. And then you pay the price for that when you choose not to submit because it's so hard. It's so difficult. Not only that, but your marriage starts to suffer when tough times come. And in our time last time, we focused on the responsibility of wives to submit. But we also learned that it wasn't an isolated command. This is under the heart, heartbeat of submission in general. That the, gov- that the way that culture works is by mutual submission. And the way that we reflect the love of Jesus Christ, part of it comes through our submission. And Peter just wants to encourage marriages and if you, have a, if you have a marriage, you know, if you want to scale one to 10, if you have a marriage above five, then these passages are encouraging to you. You're like, of course, I love my wife. I, I love my husband. I, I, we may have our various marriage issues, of course, but man, I, I, submission, no, no problem. I want a good marriage. And so let's do it. I'm enjoying my marriage. You know, as a husband, it's like, I love my wife. We, we, you know, we have our things, but hey, I want to love her and dwell with her and enjoy her, of course. But if your marriage is under, under five, these verses offend you. And that's part of your problem. Part of your problem is you're offended at the word of God giving you the direction of what will change your home. That's all this is. 
It's not intended to hurt or to harm you in the sense of destroying you. God's word, when it offends you, when it challenges you, God's desire isn't to destroy you. God's desire is to destroy your flesh, which is the greatest barrier in any relationship. It's our flesh life. It's our selfishness. It is in our unwillingness to bend. Let me show you, before we jump into the text, can you just go to James with me really quick? Because wisdom from above has a atmosphere to it. it, it it's recognizable. When you're walking in the spirit and you're, you're following uh, the love of God, like it's just recognizable. Would you turn over to James chapter three? Because the flesh is recognizable too. The resistance, the, 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 the unwillingness, not, not the inability because the Holy Spirit can make us able to do anything, but the unwillingness to yield ourselves to the Lord and then to our spouse or to our friends or whoever that might be. Check this out in verse 13 of James 3. Mark this, memorize it, circle it, write it down on three by, three by five cards. It'll help you in your life, everyday life. James asks, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done. Notice one of the first marks of wisdom is meekness. The meekness of wisdom. Wisdom takes a person down in humility. Not, not as a doormat. We explained that very carefully, ladies, as wives last time. Not as a doormat. We, meekness is not a doormat. Meekness is strength that is yielded for the sake of others. If you have, so here is not this is not the Spirit of God. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and sometimes even demonic. You can walk in demonic wisdom, or it really isn't wisdom at all. You can walk in the, in the atmosphere of the devil and how he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So he says, where envy, verse 16, and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. But, but the wisdom that's from above, and say, okay, what's the spirit look like? We already know the fruit of the spirit, but here's another aspect. What does the spirit look like? Pure, wisdom that comes from above will be pure. It will be peaceable. It will be gentle. And this one's a big one for marriages. Willing to yield, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I mean, this is such a beautiful passage just applied to marriage, let alone to relationships. Pastor Peter has your marriage at heart, and if this, is, if this offends you, then repent. This is God's word. And remember, I, I acknowledged to you last week, I'm not an expert at marriage. I have my own issues in my marriage. I have my own issues as a husband. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm a pastor who prayed before I put this message together and I prayed before I delivered it. Why? Because I love you and I want your marriages to succeed. If in the rest of my ministry, I never meet with another marriage ready to divorce, I never meet with another marriage that's fighting, if I never, that would be, not because I don't want to, but because everyone is walking in the spirit, I'd be great with that. Because there's a lot of other things I could be a part of uh, in reaching the lost, but this is what God called us to. We know that's not realistic but hear my heart on it. God wants you, God wants your marriage restored and saved, and he, want, he wants you to thrive. He wants you to enjoy. God created marriage. He's the one that knew what we needed. Now again, you that are single, I don't want you to feel like you're less than important here because you're not in the marriage 
You're not in a marriage yet, or you were previously. You're in a different season, and God has a different word for you, but this is preparatory, isn't it? It's like you're looking forward. Maybe God has marriage in your future. Well, this is it. This is your, these are your marching orders. This is what to expect. Marriage is hard. It's work. It's difficult. Two selfish people that decide, hey, how about we, uh, you're selfish, yep. I'm selfish, yep. But you fake that in the dating thing, you know, you fake that all out. So are you so, yeah, well, let's come together and let's just have a selfish house. And then you get the smart idea. Why don't we create some little selfish kids to run around? And so we're all just be, and it's just a battle. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes dying to ourself. It, it takes the, the requirement of asking for forgiveness and rec- recognizing that your spouse will not meet 100% of your needs ever. If you look to your spouse to meet all of your needs, you'll be disappointed every day. Your husband can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Only God can fulfill the deep-seated need for acceptance and love and care. Because Only God can fulfill that. No human being can do that. Because when you look to human beings to do that, you put yourself in a place of vulnerability and a place of vulnerability. Temptation loves to feed on vulnerable people. The more vulnerable you are, the more temptation seems to come in every area of life. This is good counsel for us. It's a good reminder. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in verse 12, though one may be overwhelmed by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And any marriage that's going to thrive and make it needs to acknowledge that Jesus is the center of your marriage and that we yield to him. And so husbands, your word tonight, likewise you husbands dwell with them, speaking of the wife, with understanding, giving honor to them as to the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life and your prayers may not be hindered. So here, husbands, the solution to the problem in your marriage is not another woman. I don't see anybody writing that down in your notes. The solution to the problem in your marriage tonight is not another woman. The Bible says you don't need another woman. You just need to learn how to love and to live with the one that he gave you. And you agreed with him. You agreed. You need to learn how to love and live with the woman that God gave you. You need to learn to love her, to cherish her, to, as it says here, dwell with her, to understand her needs, and then to meet those needs. Your lifelong joy is the wife that God gave you. And so the solution is found right in front of you. Notice, number one, it says to dwell with them with understanding. And then it says to give them honor. Give your wife honor. Now, let me just say here, wives at this point sort of check out on verse 7, at least some, because it says, as to the weaker vessel. And that can be so quickly interpreted as misogynistic and, and you know, looking down on, on you because you're a woman. And in some cases, you have every right to feel that way because that's how you've been treated. And that's just where you are. But that's not God's heart. Neither is it. Is it the heart of any true man bound and by the Holy Spirit walking in the Spirit? Your natural reaction, wives, could be, I'm not weaker, and then you miss the whole point of the text. You might interpret, I'm not weaker, as I'm not less than him. Well, you're not less than him. You're right. You are equal to him as a human being. God died for you as he did, died for your husband. But the reality is, 
although it's becoming less and less popular today, the reality is, is that men and women are very different. Anyone want to amen that? He, God made it that way. I'm glad he made it that way. I appreciate the differences between Marie and me in many ways. This word for you ladies could be, could be described, again, forgive me for the description. I'm just trying to relate to you. You, you could put it this way. Like if, if we were describing men and women one way, ladies, this would be describing you as a precious, valuable vase. And your husband's like a Home Depot bucket. That's what it's saying here. (laughs) There's something precious about you. Sweet and wonderful. God made that. Now all the men are mad at me. So what? (laughs) I can deal with that. There's just a distinction. There's, there's, There's something that's more gentle and delicate and something that's more rough. That's the point. That there, God made you that way. And I thank God for the sensitivity of the women in our church. You, you just have a sensitivity to things that we don't. We, you have an, a point of view that we don't. And you are to be valued for those things and to be recognized. There's a, this isn't a statement of, of whether you're less or more. It's a statement of understanding. He's saying, husbands, understand, number one, your wives are different. Your wives are not you. Peter's telling us, cherish your wives. Treasure them. Give them honor. The original language literally speaks to preciousness, something that we think is precious. So he's saying, give her honor as someone precious to you. Don't take your wives for granted, husbands. Don't abuse them verbally, physically, or any way. Don't misuse your wives. She's she's not the same as you, and so it will require extra effort on your part to express value and love and appreciation. Guys, your wife is a woman. She's not just another guy. And she's not just any woman. She's your wife. She's your wife. A lot of times, wives feel as if their husbands just don't understand them because they get treated like one of the guys. Or they get treated like someone that's not precious. Or in this case, when you see weaker vessel, they're not treated with care and concern. So men, you need to recognize there's a difference. And of course, you know, the husbands right away, as you wrestle with this, you go, of course, Ed, I know that. I know that, obvious, it's obvious. Yeah, but it's not just a gender difference. God made them male and female. And no matter how things are rearranged and changed and what's approved, not approved, nobody can ever, ever, ever in their entire life searching for identity change the creative order of God. Never. It will never happen. You can identify as this or you can identify as that. You you can desire this. You can desire that. Recognizing many of you listening, like you're really wrestling with who your identity is and I'm not sure and I grew up. Nothing that you do medically, nothing you do by surgery, nothing will change who God made you. And God made you the way you are on purpose. Male and female. There's not a third category, biblically. It's not just a gender difference, but a real difference, a difference of needs, a difference of wants and desires, a difference of looking at things. Women tend to look at things differently. It means we have to be less and less of the man that will just seek to fix it. 
and I got a problem with my marriage, I'll fix it, which is always interpreted fix her, which is always interpreted she's always wrong. In your life, men, you need to recognize the only one that you need to fix is you. And God can help you along the way. And you got to get away from that fix-it mentality. You know, maybe there's a, an opportunity, you're going through something at home, you, can, you maybe recognize something on your wife's face, husband's, and you, you're like, well, just tell me what it is, and I'll fix it. Tell me what it is, and I'll give you the solution. You know, she doesn't even want a solution. She just wants you to be quiet and listen to her. Not at the first or the tenth word already come up with a solution to fix all her. Just listen. Try, try that. The next time this comes up in your marriage, in your relationship, just listen. Just listen. We make this mistake too many times, husbands. Many wives are looking more and more, I think, biblically for the type of man that stops and listens and prays before reacting and jumping in with some solution. Someone actually studied these things. It may be updated over the years. But someone studied and wrote down the top five needs displayed by husband and wife through their different biblical counseling. And they did an informal survey and they came up with these um, five major needs of women, five major needs of men. Uh, for the women, the women said to this survey that in order of their needs, what they expressed what they wanted and needed from their husband, number one was affection. Number two was conversation. Number three was honesty and openness. Number four was financial support. And number five was family commitment. The five major needs of men uh, was, number one, sexual fulfillment. Number two, recreational companionship. Uh, number three, an attractive spouse. Number four, help at home. And number five was admiration. And so, of course, these things vary from marriage to marriage. But just listening to the list, you can see how different it is. And what, what needs are different between us. And that's why I believe, as you see in verse 7, the Bible says, likewise, you husbands, dwell with them. The idea is that you stay put. Uh, the idea behind this word dwell in the original language is that you stay put. And listen, you take the effort to study and learn about your wife. Discover her. And discover the new things about her as she changes throughout the years. God brings together two completely different people, but he makes them one. Yet when our homes are filled with distraction, with turmoil, with discord, it really makes for the breeding ground of destruction. Well, you don't, want to, you don't care anymore. You don't want to dwell there. You don't want to pay attention. You don't, want, you don't want those things because the devil knows the Bible. You realize the devil understands the Bible. The Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. They have this ascent where whatever the word says, they have an ascent, they believe, and it moves them. Because I think what they tremble at is their future. And you know what the Bible says about the demonic realm being thrown in the lake of fire for eternity? They, they, they tremble because they know what the end is. But, but many times, husbands read the Bible and it moves, doesn't move them at all, if they read the Bible at all. And so the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 3, verse 25, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's just the way it is. It's just not going to stand. And so it makes sense we see what we see today, especially in height of the last year. We've seen it increase more and more. I believe the enemy of our souls wants to distract the husband and so isolate the wife that a little division begins. You add to that a little bit of financial pressure. You add to that some issues with the kids. 
You add to that things going on at work. You don't like what's going on. You add to that this atmosphere. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to run away. You add to that the difficulties of a pipe bursting, a, you know, a tire going out on the car. You add to all the things that come in. And before you know it, with that little bit of distraction, that little bit of division comes some turmoil that you, don't, you didn't expect, some difficulty. You didn't plan for it. Comes a dumb, insignificant fight into that. It's just dumb. Just dumb. Doesn't make any sense. Why, why are we even arguing about this kind of fight? Any marriages have those kind of fights? Why are we even arguing about this? I mean, that's typical. You know, in every marriage we have, it's like just little things. What do we, what, what do we, what is our problem? And you kiss and make up and move on. But in the midst of crisis, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> And so some little dumb insignificant thing feels like, man, she hates my guts. She doesn't want anything. And, or you, you begin to be caught up in all that. And then you add some bickering, some discouragement, loneliness. Mix in there your own sin, gossip, sin, lies, social media, pornography. And before you know it, that little family that you launched off with is in such danger of ultimate destruction. Ultimate destruction. And we've just veered away from the simplicity of what God says. We just veered away. You know, one of the big resistance that we find between husbands and wives is simply this thought. If he will, then I will. If she will, then I will. And it gets to that place where you just are immovable. And your love for each other has changed from unconditional to conditional. And everyone has their reasons. Perhaps some good reasons. But everybody has their reasons for not obeying God. So just write, write that, jot that down in your notes. So whoever's taking notes, you're going to listen to this later. You're listening on the radio. Get the study because everybody has their reasons for disobeying God. Good reasons, bad reasons, doesn't matter. Disobeying God is always going to lead to destruction in our lives. It's just the way it is. Marie and I have noticed a trend over the years in our marriage for the many years we've been together, both as believers and unbelievers. We were married for a few years as unbelievers, almost didn't make it. We were born again and almost didn't make it. It was that destroyed. Our marriage was that on the rise. And, and, and truly, I look back now and I see with crystal clear eyes that it was my responsibility. It was my responsibility. And when I changed, God began to work in my wife. If I would have waited forever for Marie to change, we probably wouldn't be married because I would have continued on in my sinful behavior toward her and she wouldn't have put up with it. Now, I didn't ask her for an interview before, beforehand to see, but that's my assessment. If I would have waited for her to change and I, might, I was only waiting for her to meet my needs or whatever, whatever the issue was, she most likely wouldn't have changed because she was made to follow my lead. And that's how God made her. She's the precious vessel. And we've noticed in our marriage over the years, it seems that right when God is ready to do something wonderful and marvelous and just explode on our lives, something stupid happens. 
Or we've also noticed over the years that when we seem to have a nice, calm, peaceful time, and we've been enjoying our marriage and enjoying ministry, enjoying, and it just seems like calm and peace, it's going to be disrupted by something big in our marriage. I just, we've seen it. You can't predict it. I'm not afraid of it. Uh, you know, I just know that that's part of the rhythm of life. Difficulties come to every marriage. It's just part of the rhythm of life. And depending on your stage in life and where you are, some difficult, some things are bigger. Some things are more challenging. And so in our lives, just on the typical stuff, you know, a little argument there, you know, I didn't, I didn't get the clothes out, I didn't do the dishes right, a little disagreement of why is this, and I come home and she's needing conversation, and I, I ask the proverbial question, what did you do all day? Wow. Especially when the kids were younger. What did you do all day? Oh, nothing. I locked the kids in the bedroom and went out all day shopping as if that was the case. Of course not. But just being insensitive and not careful with my words and not thinking of my wife more highly than myself, these things have happened. And we began to see a pattern that things would happen between us to divide us. And as we were fighting the the battle to not be divided, it, it was like the Lord wanted to do something and he was taking us through a new season of growth. He was taking us through a new season of testing. And it was like the devil was really trying to abort the blessings that God already had for us that we were going to walk into, that God wanted to accomplish. I mean, think about it this way. Okay, couples, you guys that are married here, how many of you had a fight on the way to church? Don't answer that. Because it may not have been tonight. But I just, like, what are we, what is the problem? You're going too fast. You missed the turn. You're breaking too fast. What is the problem? The Lord's ready to bless you in about 15 minutes. The Lord's about ready to bless you, so why not get you mad at each other? Why not scream? Why are the kids flipping? Why don't get on? Don't do that. Like, why not be in a place of turmoil when you walk through the doors? So the only thing you want to do is get out of these doors and not pay attention to the song, not pay attention to the person sitting next to you, not paying attention to the unsafe, not paying it. Like, why not? And that happens so frequently that we don't even recognize anymore. We don't even pay attention. We don't even repent. We don't make it right in the parking lot before we come in. It's like, oh, hey, get out. Let's do it. Just go in and just pretend. And then we train ourselves, husbands and wives, to be hypocrites in a small way. But you know, hypocrisy is only going to breed what? More hypocrisy. And then maybe the Lord, Lord had a word for you and now you're distracted. That's just the way the enemy lives. If it's not your spouse, it'll be your kids. Your kids will do something. They'll bring strife into your, and, and I'm not saying on purpose, like kids are being kids, and then even your adult kids doesn't have to be, like I'm not even saying that it's on purpose, it's just the way life is, and if we're not on our game, men, we need to learn how to know our wives. Some of you men, you, you know your video games so well. You spend so many hours playing these video games. You know all of the different places. I don't even know what the video games are now. But I promise you, if you played your wife like a video game, you wouldn't have any problems. If you studied her, you learned the levels, you bought books to find out all the secret codes or whatever there is. If she was always in your hands... And you were paying attention to her. And if you made a mistake, boom, you're right back on to make it right. Make another mistake, boom, you're right back on to make it right. If you treated your wives like video games, men, if you treated your wives like your hobby, your hobby that you're so into that you invest all your time and money in, that you got to save up for this and you take this over, like what would your, how would your wife respond if she was your hobby and you saved up for her? 
Well, you know. But what would that require? That would require us to die to ourselves. That would require us to have a delayed satisfaction or gratification, or we would learn, and it's actually a pretty thing to, to learn, it's a beautiful thing to learn in marriage, that your happiness will just be accelerated when your wife's happy. What do they say? Happy wife? happy life. It's true. It's not some cliche. It's true. When there's happiness in the home, you know what follows happiness? Joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's derived and intertwined with happiness. And happiness comes through this relationship God has given us, even to work through all the difficulties, because there are many difficulties in marriage. Nobody has a perfect marriage. The same with parenting. Everybody thinks, you know, everybody's a better parent than you. Maybe, maybe not. We all have problems. Well, they have a better marriage than me. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But what difference does it make? Make a better marriage of what you have. It's not their marriage. It's your marriage. And Marie and I can stand here with absolute 100% authority, God's word in our own personal lives, that God saved our marriage. He saved our marriage. Even when we were too young to figure it out and understand it, and even now, 30 plus years later, as we're continuing to grow in different stages, different stages, different warfare today, different drama that's in our life, it's totally different than when we first got married. But it's better. God has done a work. And whatever we argued about 20 years ago, I actually don't remember what it was. Maybe even last year, whatever the big argument was, I don't remember what it was because I learned from a brother by the name of D.L. Moody, I've learned to keep short accounts. And I learned, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love keeps no records of wrongs. And there's a lot of practicality that we can learn, but listen, men, just make the decision to dwell and study your wives and enjoy them. They're precious. They need to be cared for differently. Husbands, the Holy Spirit says to dwell with your wives. Understand them. And that word understanding implies that you don't know everything about them. It also implies that there'll be things that are hard to understand. Even Paul, Peter wrote that about Paul's writings. He says that, you know, our brother Paul, he wrote these things. Some of them are hard to understand. And there are attributes and aspects of your spouse, of your wife, husbands, that are hard to understand. It's hard to understand maybe the trauma they grew up with and they've never been able to fully express it to you. It's hard to explain why something that you do that all the guys at work do and their wives never respond to it, but your wife responds to it. It's hard for her to describe what nerve you actually touch in her heart. And you just got to dwell with them. Be patient with them. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you what you can't work in your own. Love covers a multitude of sins, husbands. And so let me end here with a few things that wives, again, looking at the overarching needs of wives in a general sense. Of course, some of you wives are going, this may not apply to you. That's okay. We recognize and acknowledge tonight that uh, you're individual, you're unique. This is not a complete broad brush of every wife, of every time, of every culture, not. But generally, generally. And maybe you can take this, wives, and you can say, I know what pastor said, but let me explain to you what that looks like to me. And that would be fine. Explain to them. Give maybe, this, oh, maybe this Bible study, instead of trying to pigeonhole everyone into one particular 
order because we know that God doesn't do that. This could start a conversation where you can explain some of these things from where you're seating. Maybe God would even open your hearts to share a little bit of the pain or trauma that you carry. Maybe you can start praying for that so the Holy Spirit can heal you and encourage you and help, you know, just bring out a scab over that so it would just kind of heal up. And so it won't always be this gaping wound, but rather God wants to heal you. And so generally, those that study these things tell us that wives thrives on security. Security. While a husband's greatest need tends to be admired, respected, praised, and encouraged, we learned that last time, a wife's greatest need tends to surround the area of security. And security in three primary areas. Security in three primary areas. Number one, wives have a tendency to thrive in financial security. Financial security. That doesn't mean you have to be a millionaire. It doesn't mean you have to keep up with the Joneses or live the American dream. Don't misunderstand it. No, what it, what it means is, is that you take care of the financial responsibilities of your home, like the Bible says, that you provide for the needs of your home and that you take that responsibility that God has given to you. I, I know at times in some marriages, some wives don't want to surrender that worry. Um, they want to take a control of it and they, they want to, but, but I suggest you husbands take the lead in your homes financially. And make sure that you're open and honest and you don't lie about things. You don't open credit cards behind your wife's back. You don't lie about your income. You don't lie, like you be open and honest. I think that's the ultimate thing in in any relationship. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So we don't hide anything. We don't have two separate accounts. That's your account. You know, the, the language of ministry I've taught you over the years is we, right? That's the language of ministry. Guess what the language of marriage is? We. Not your money, my money, it's our money. I always, when I start hearing that language, you, I, she, he, uh, you know, I know we got problems because you already, you're already not understanding the fundamental principle of becoming one. Well, but, but, but Ed, I can't trust him. That's a problem. That's a problem that we worked on. Wives, you should be able to trust your husbands. That's a given in any marriage. You should. That's a very difficult place to be if you can't. Financial security. Number two, emotional security. Emotional security. Wives thrive in the security of your care and love for her. And so, you know, some guys, they might be of a more abrasive nature, might say, but Ed, I told her I loved her when we got married. Isn't that enough? I mean, it was a special day. I got dressed up for it. And in my exaggeration, you see my point. It's not enough. It's not enough to look back at a point in time and say, but I said it then, I did it then. Very similar to your relationship with Jesus, isn't it? So you're, you're here tonight, you're kind of looking at your life, you go, well, you know, uh, back in the good old days, all that's telling me is that there's been a break in relationship because these are the good old days. So God's doing something right now. In your life, something happened today that God showed himself faithful in your life. Showed himself, same in our marriages. Women need to know, wives need to know that you still love them and that you're growing in their love and that you still care for them and you're growing in that care and you still think about them and you're growing in that. You can be a guy that says a lot 
but, but husbands, they need to see it. And this is challenging. They need to feel it. Well, I don't know how to do that. That's why Peter said dwell with them. Strangely enough, the more attention you pay to your wife, you'll figure it out. One or two new things. Maybe even God calling you back to the principle that you had when you were dating and pursuing. Some of you just need to start dating your wives again. And just enjoying a date night, no responsibilities, no, you know, you can even, you can even put little rules around your date nights. We're not talking about our problems. We're not talking about our kids. And you can just say, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. You, there's a lot of different ways you can do this, but start enjoying, get the flowers, get the gifts again, the candy, the weekends away, the Time. You don't have to be all legalistic on this and start, you know, don't, don't get out a calendar and say, okay, honey, this is our date night for that. No, let the Holy Spirit lead you and let, let him fan the flames. It'll be different depending on what your week is different. You remember when we were dating in high school, it was different between how much money I have in my pocket. If I didn't have any money, date night was different. What are you guys laughing at? It's true. It's the same today. It's going to be different. You have a long week. Maybe a date night's not appropriate because you're too tired. You have a short week. Maybe you plan something and you surprise. But it's time to stoke up those flames of dating and love again. Perhaps the things that drew your attention to one another. I remember as I was pursuing Marie, and uh, all those days, like having money or not having money, was, there was no barrier. I would figure a way around it somehow. I'd figure it out. I would beg. I would, uh, you know, one of the things I did, I don't even think she knows this, but one of the habits I used to do, not so much in high school. Um, no, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll tell you privately. <laughs> so husbands, husbands, I know that there are times where like you don't feel like it because your emotions have wore off. And this is another thing I hear in marriages that just is unacceptable. And that is, I don't love them anymore. You open up your Bible to first, don't do it now, but here's what, here's what you need to do. Open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 13 and start to love again, biblically. Apply the Bible to love, because I know what you're saying. You've, your emotions have worn off. Your feelings are different. And that's really what's trying to be communicated but you know what happens? It becomes a cop-out. And then that cop-out starts your hard heart. And then your heart gets so hard, even if somebody else doesn't break up your marriage, you'll break up your marriage. Because you think the option is someone else, and it's not. And I want you to notice in your life that many times your emotions will follow your lead. We often think we need to follow our emotions because we're a very emotional society. But your emotions will follow your needs. So here's the thing. When you change your mind, God will change your heart. When you change your mind, God will change your heart. But you spend your whole life dealing with the emotional level. I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to, change, I'm going to love him. I'm going to love her. I'm going to love her. And you never make any corresponding changes. Then your heart just gets harder because you fail in your own strength. Like you're in the midst of a deep, deep crisis in your marriage here. A Bible study is not going to save your marriage. Only God is going to save your marriage. Only God is going to save your heart. However, if you don't change your mind, your heart's only going to get harder. 
It's like, you know, we're not going to tell you, listen to this Bible study to rescue your marriage. No, don't listen to this Bible study to rescue your marriage. Listen to this to the Bible study so you get your, right, your life right with God. And he'll begin to work. Just turning to Bible study, listen, is a change of your mind where right now in the room and everyone watching and listening, even at a later, everyone that's listening to this Bible study, you know what's happening? God's dealing with your heart right now. That's why the Bible study is so uncomfortable. That's why it's so like, oh, you don't want to, like some of you are thinking in the back of your mind, oh, you just don't know who I'm married to. I don't. And it sounds like right now I don't want to know. If that's how you feel, I don't want to know. I don't need to know who it is. You know who it is. Yeah, but she, okay. Go home, get out your marriage book. Maybe it's, some of you got married recently, so it's all digital. Get out the digital, get out the book. Start remembering the day you took your vows and keep them. Honor them. Repeat them. If you don't remember your vows, email me. I'll send you the ones I use. I don't remember my vows, but I've done enough ceremonies where I know those and more I vow to my wife every day. I know that. And if you really want to know, I don't, I don't even remember. You know, we kind of got married at a courthouse. We didn't really do. Okay, fine. That's fine. Email me. I'm serious. Email me. I will send you the exact vows. I'll send you the ceremony that I do with couples. And you can read and pray through it. And the Lord will minister to you. That's changing your mind. And you just look at it and we go, you know what, Lord? This, I need this. I need this. Your wives, listen, number two husbands need emotional security. They thrive on it. Thirdly, wives thrive on spiritual security. Security, think of the word security as safeness, a protectedness, a guardedness. Men, take the spiritual leadership of your home seriously. Your example at home is essential. But she won't let me, Ed. No, 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 she wants your leadership. But I don't know how. That's okay, God will be your guide. Begin with the basics, have a growing walk with the Lord. Man, we got a brother in the church, men, We've got a brother in the church that gets up at 5.30 in the morning to meet with as many men as want to meet with him. And he will talk to as many men that will talk to him. And he will walk in the park. And you know what happens? Man, well, I don't want to get up at 5.30. Exactly. This brother's committed. He is committed. 5.30. You want to, you want to talk about your marriage? Get up at 5.30. No, 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 no. That doesn't work for me. That's the problem. What's going to work for you? When are you going to die to yourself? This dude's ready. If you went out, if a hundred guys went out, this is, this is where his heart is. If a hundred guys met him at the park to go walking with him, this brother would find a way to serve you hundred guys. That's how committed he is. It's, that's, it's his heart. I, I talk to him regularly. It's his heart. He has such a passion to pour into men. And we let pride and arrogance get in the way. And so then we don't give the spiritual leadership to our wives and disciple them. Disciple them. Reading the Bible together, praying together, talking about the Bible study together, overviewing finances, talking about victories and what the Lord has done, spiritual security. Number four, wives thrive with physical security. Physical security. Especially if your wife grew up in an abusive home. This is super important to them. Your wife grew up maybe in a single parent home. This is super important to them. It's so valuable. Men understand that she wants you. Your wife married you because she wanted to. Surprise, surprise. She married you because she loves you. 
She covenanted with you. She entrusted her life to your care. Now, we may not have fully understood all the things we were doing when we got married. I know I certainly didn't. I didn't recognize the responsibility that I was signing up for. I didn't know. Pretty girl, want to spend the rest of the life with this pretty girl. That was pretty much it. I didn't understand how to love her or care for her. I didn't understand what a treasure she was and is. I didn't understand the weight of response. I didn't understand security or any of that. I didn't understand my girlfriend, my wife at all. But things have changed. God has shown me. And wives thrive with physical security. You may be in a marriage right now where your wife, you might describe it this way, that your wife gripes all the time that you're not home enough. And then you say, well, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week to give her all the stuff that she wants. And I suggest to you that maybe she doesn't want the stuff at all. She wants you. And if she can't have you, she'll take the stuff. And we get confused. Same thing happens with kids. Parents think the kids need all the stuff. They don't. They need you. But if they can't have you, they'll take the stuff. If you're not around, she'll find a way to deal with the situation that's in front of her. And little by little, her heart gets hard. Ladies, of course, wives, if you're putting pressure on your husbands to do more, to make more, and to provide more than he could possibly do, then you need to back off and just repent and learn how to support and submit to your husband. But there's a, there's a good balance. And husbands, one major way to maintain physical security for your wives is to be physically at home with them. to be present because guys you could be home physically and gone mentally and spiritually and emotionally and to be physically interested physically helping physically there and when the more you're there the more opportunity see what happens in bad marriages what happens in bad marriages or marriages in crisis is you don't want to be there and you think that's the solution and things don't get better do they <laughs> They don't get better. Security is so important to wives. I'm no expert on marriages. I'm still not an expert on my own marriage. But I'm growing. And I'm learning. And I want to. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better friend. And I'm learning as I go, trusting in the Lord to give me wisdom. But me, Marie and I have definitely learned that marriage moves forward in grace. We need to give each other a lot of grace and forgiveness. A lot. We have to cut each, other, cut each other some slack and extend to one another the same grace that God extends to us. How, how can I stay mad at her when God doesn't stay mad at me? How can I live with unforgiveness when my sins have been forgiven and forgotten? God tells me to understand and to dwell. Why? Notice at the end, so that our prayers won't be hindered. That we won't be held back in our spiritual giftedness as a couple, not just individually. As a couple, God has called us into ministry as a couple. Not in pastoring anything, just period. Period. It's not a position and a title. It's God's will for your life. You're married, God's a call on your marriage. You, you have kids, God has a call on your family. You're single, God has a call on you. And God doesn't want us hindered. He wants us running with the vision. 
And so we were in a little over because I wanted to finish this. So I'm just going to pray and then release you um, with this. There's no ending song. Uh, you can just sing a song in your heart on your way out. And if you need prayer as a husband, uh, marriage, come on up. Let us pray for you. Uh, if you need a recommendation on a book, go downstairs and pick up the book Married and How to Stay That Way. Married and How to Stay That Way by Steve Carr. He's a good friend of mine. We'll probably have him out this year to do some marriage stuff with us. Um, best book um, to help any crisis marriage. Best book to help your marriage, you know, fine tune it. And best book uh, for you if you're just starting to get married. You know, just started on your journey. Great book. Absolutely top-notch. Steve Carr's was saturated with scripture. And he's committed. He's spent his whole life ministering to marriages. And so... Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit tonight to bring home these truths in our our hearts as husbands. Uh, We acknowledge to you and admit to you our failures and our weaknesses, stress and pressure and persecution and uh, our flesh and just crazy stuff makes us do and say things that don't please and honor you, Lord. It's not wisdom from above. So forgive us, God. Let the men of this church rise up and I, and I pray my brother, next time he's walking at 5.30 in the morning, would be inundated with men that just say, hey, man, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's do this together as the church of Jesus Christ. And we pray that in his name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.